You know, David's family was an absolute mess. King David I'm talking about, and the Bible reports it. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Rod Hembrick. And I'm Janice. And today we continue reading through the Bible for the 32nd time. We're in 2 Samuel. This is really interesting. We'll talk about 13 in just a moment. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey, what's going on? I'm going to be taking a look at David's son, Absalom, but from his maternal family side. Ryan? Well, today my report features a man that you don't often hear about in sermons or Sunday school. His name was Ahithophel. More on him later. Ahithophel. Very interesting. Okay, well, that's coming up in about 20 minutes' time, so stay there for that. Janice? Today my segment's called Beauty for Ashes. Beauty for Ashes. Excellent. That's coming up in about 25 minutes' time, so spend the next half hour with us. Let's open up the Bible, the most important book of all. Get out your Bible guide. If you don't have one, we'll tell you how to get one. And let's focus on what God is saying to us. Second Samuel 13, verses 15 through 28. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Arise, be gone. So she said to him, No, indeed, this evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. Then he called his servant who attended him and said, Here, put this woman out away from me and bolt the door behind her. Now she had on a robe of many colors, for the king's virgin daughters wore such apparel. And his servant put her out, and bolted the door behind her. Then Tamar put ashes on her head, and tore her robe of many colors that was on her, and laid her hand on her head, and went away, crying bitterly. And Absalom her brother said to her, Has Amnon your brother been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon, because he had forced his sister Tamar. And it came to pass, after two full years, that Absalom had sheep shearers in Baal-hazor, which is near Ephraim. So Absalom invited all the king's sons. Then Absalom came to the king and said, Kindly note your servant has sheep shearers. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, let us all not go now, lest we be a burden to you. Then he urged him, but he would not go, and he blessed him. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him, so he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Now Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Watch now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say to you, Strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and valiant. 
2 Samuel chapter 13, verses 15 through 28. Second Samuel 13 to 15, that's what our reading assignment is today as we go through the Bible in one year. This is very, very exciting. And you know, King David's family was a mess. It was a mess. David did what other kings in his time thought that they would do. He had many wives. Now this was a problem for David and his family and a big problem for the people. More importantly, it went against the law of God as mentioned in Deuteronomy 17, verse 17. David had children from different mothers. Now, the idea of building a kingdom through making alliance with other kingdoms was thought to be a way to build peace. But peace did not yield to the cultural ways of David. Remember that there is God's permissible will and then there is God's perfect will. David was acting in the permissible will of God. Now, Amnon was David's firstborn son. He was a child from a Ahinoam, a woman from Jezreel. Amnon lusted after his half-sister Tamar. So he manipulated her, and he set up a situation in order to rape her, which he did. Now, Absalom, Tamar's full brother, born of Micah and David, hated him for this and plotted against Amnon for taking advantage of his sister. Amnon paid the price for his actions. And we're just getting into the family of David. Let me tell you, it is exciting. Now, if you don't have a Bible guide, why not? We'll send it to you. You can write to us or call us or go to Bible Discovery TV. When you go to Bible Discovery TV, click on it. It'll take you to a page for your donations. Thank you so much for your donations. They help us now when things are a little lean. So we just pray that the Lord helps us. But uh, it'll take you from there to the place where you can download the PDF files exactly how they're printed. So you're literally seconds away from the setup <laughs> as we begin to talk about this. Now, let's pray and ask God to help us through the, the 13th chapter uh, of verses 15 to 28 of 2 Samuel. Father, help us today as we examine this scripture and as we look at David and help us to hear what it tells us right now, today, as we speak and as we pray. This is what we ask, Lord. Help us not to read into it what we want, but help us to read from it what you want us to change to. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, the scripture is fascinating. Let's look at it. Second Samuel 13, beginning with verse 15. Then Amnon hated Tamar, hated her exceedingly, so that he hated with, with that which he hated was greater than the love which he had loved with. And Amnon said to her, Arise and be gone. Verse 16. So she said to him, No, indeed, this evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to Tamar, he would not. And then he called his servant who attended him and said, Here, put this woman out, away from me, and bolt the door behind her. Now she had on a robe of many colors, for the king's virgin daughters wore such apparel. And his servant put her out and bolted the door behind her. 
Now, this is interesting because Amnon raped Tamar, and then he hated her. Look at that. That's very interesting. He was deeply under some kind of demonic something. Spiritual darkness can manipulate our thinking and change our behavior, beloved. Spiritual darkness can manipulate our behavior and change how we act. And I want to tell you something. Those demonic forces did not go away with the old times. And they are not some figment of somebody's imagination. They are still here, beloved. And we have to be careful and we have to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I belong to you. Nothing can possess me except the Spirit of God. So, Lord, help us today to hear that and to understand that, Lord, because the demonic forces are nasty. And help us not to do anything out of your will, which is wrong, but help us to do things in your will, in Jesus' name. Now, let's go back to the scripture and learn what happened. 2 Samuel 13, verse 19 says, Then Tamar put ashes on her head, tore her robe of many colors that was on her, and laid her hand on her head, and went away, crying bitterly. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. Now this is fascinating. Tamar was devastated. And Absalom, her brother, plotted to get even with Amnon. This is all happening in David's household, beloved. You see, unchecked evil always produces more and greater evil. Unchecked evil always produces more and greater evil. And that's why we say, and that's why I say, I am a sinner saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ fills me and tries to help me if I let him. And I have to surrender daily, every day to him so that the good can come out, which is of Jesus Christ, not myself. Very important. Everybody wants to do good. Then they say, I did good. If I do good, praise God. It is God in me. It is God helping me. And beloved, that's how we must remember that. We have to pay attention to giving our lives to God on a daily basis. That's the only way we'll be decent and good Christians, beloved. Very important. 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 21. But when King David heard of all these things, David finds out this is going on in his family. He was very angry. Yes, he was. But what did he do? Nothing. He did nothing. The law of God was breached and David did nothing. Verse 22 says, And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom Absalom had sheep shearers in Baal Hazor, which is near Ephraim. And so Absalom invited all the king's sons. And then Absalom came to the king and said, Kindly note your servant, has sheep shearers. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, let us not all go now, lest we be burdened a burden to you. And then he urged him, but he would not go, and he blessed him. Well, then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him so, He let Amnon go, and all the king's sons go with them. Now Absalom 
had commanded his servants saying, watch now when Am Amnon's heart is merry with wine. And when I say to you, strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and valiant. Wow. Absalom set up the conditions to murder Amnon in David's house. In David's house. We must never react to evil with evil. It never bears anything good. Let me tell you something, beloved. It, it really is true. Nothing good comes out of it when we try to get justice for ourselves. Forgiveness. That is the main thing that Jesus did on the cross. We need to understand that and live it. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And today in my report, I'm focused on someone whose story who I believe deserves to be told. His name was Ahithophel the Gilanite, and professionally speaking, he was the wise and faithful counselor of King David. For many years, he lovingly served David. And that's why it comes as such a shock to read of his sudden betrayal of the king. Now, why would he do such a thing? Well, the answer lies in who he was, not professionally, but personally. And to discover exactly who he was, we need to do some digging. So let's get to it. For any ruler in history to have a long and successful reign, a circle of loyal allies was essential. King David, arguably Israel's greatest king to ever live, was no exception. Though David's mighty men were most notable, there were also other key members of his administration. One of his most valuable was his wise and faithful counselor, Ahithophel the Gilanite. The Bible says of him, the advice of Ahithophel was as if one had inquired at the oracle of God. Ahithophel faithfully and lovingly served David for a great many years, which is why it comes as such a shock to read about his sudden betrayal of the king. The defection occurs when David's son Absalom attempts to usurp the throne. And not only does Ahithophel join Absalom, but even goes so far as to offer to kill David personally. Ahithophel also advises Absalom to openly have sexual relations with his father's concubines on the roof of the palace, which he does. Why the sudden hatred and betrayal? Who exactly is this mysterious figure? It seems to all go back to David's affair with Bathsheba, which occurred many years earlier. 2 Samuel 11.3 reveals that Bathsheba was the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. 2 Samuel 23 gives the additional detail that both of these men, the father and husband of Bathsheba, were mighty men of David, and that Ahithophel the Gilonite was Eliam's father. That makes Bathsheba the granddaughter of Ahithophel. As one Bible scholar powerfully put it, as David's counselor in the palace, Ahithophel must have burned with rage to know his king had betrayed his granddaughter's honor and killed Uriah, her husband, who was a fellow soldier with his son Eliam, Bathsheba's father. However, there was nothing he could do at that time to exact his revenge. If he had risen in anger against the king, he would have lost his life. So he remained silent keeping his thoughts of revenge secretly to himself all of the years that followed 
until he saw opportunity to destroy King David. This also sheds light on Ahithophel's strange advice to Absalom to openly have sexual relations with David's concubines. He was attempting to get his revenge by encouraging Absalom to do the same thing to David's concubines as the king had done to his granddaughter. However, in the end, Absalom did not follow through with Ahithophel's offer to murder the king. For the Lord, the Bible records, had purposed to defeat the good advice of Ahithophel, to the intent that the Lord might bring disaster on Absalom. God had answered David's plea, for when David heard of Ahithophel's betrayal, he prays, O Lord, turn the advice of Ahithophel into foolishness. Sadly, when Ahithophel saw that his advice was not followed, he returns to his own city, puts his house in order, and hangs himself. You know, I know that this is a very tragic and heartbreaking story, but we can actually learn a lot from it. Uh, for instance, notice that all this mess goes back to David's double sin, his affair with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah. Uh, I'm sure in the heat of the moment, David wasn't even thinking about the repercussions of that sin, but it would be so damaging that it would not only hurt David and his family, but those around him as well. Ahithophel is a prime example. And this story should serve as a warning to us that the sin that we commit affects more than just ourselves. When we're struggling, we need to pray for God's strength. You know, Jesus gave us a powerful model prayer in Matthew 6, and I'm sure you know it. It goes like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And listen to the end. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And to that I say, Amen. Amen. And that's the prayer that I try to start with every single day of my life because that becomes very important. Mm. Um, th this is the mess that David's life was in, and yet he is called a man or a king after God's own heart. Um, and so it's not that we have to be perfect to serve God. Mm -hmm. Yet at the same time, we have to be honest. And if we're honest, we have to confess that, yeah, we've, we've sinned and we need help. And the Holy Spirit comes to help us. Absolutely. The, a repentant heart is very, very important, I believe, um, to following the Lord. And that's what the Lord, the Lord sees that. And he responds to that. The condition of the heart. Very good, Ryan. Right. Thank you. Corey? Yeah, and we see how the, the cultural world that David was living in and the political world that he was living in really did affect the decisions and the choices that he made. And, I mean, that's that's a struggle for each one of us because we, we each of us live in a culture. And you may live in a different culture than I do, but each one of our cultures has different pulls and draws that are opposite to the way that God would have us live. And so there's a danger in that when we begin to uh, follow the culture instead of God. So it, this requires a lot of self-reflection and it also requires knowledge of the word of God. And case in point with David, you know, his, his family uh, experienced so much tragedy that could have been avoided if he had followed the rules that God had written down for kings back in Deuteronomy chapter 17. One of those rules was that kings were not supposed to multiply wives. Now, a reason that a king in the ancient world would multiply wives was largely for political influence. Uh, so they would make a, a treaty with another nation that was bordering on their territory. It would give them a strategic advantage in warfare. And to solidify that treaty, uh, the, the king would accept a wife from the allies' 
family, so generally a daughter. And we see that happen with David several times. In one such instance, it was Absalom's mother. Take a look. 2 Samuel 13 to 18 records the tragic history of Absalom, son of King David. David had gone against the law of God for kings and multiplied wives and had children with them. 2 Samuel 3 tells us that his third son, Absalom, was born to Makkah, the daughter of King Talmai of Geshur. This Geshurite princess gave birth to Absalom when David was embroiled in a war against the household of Saul. In other words, he didn't yet have control over all of Israel. Presumably, a marriage alliance with the Geshurites who lived in the north would strengthen his claim to power. But later in life, Absalom himself launched a rebellion against his father. It began when Absalom took justice into his own hands, resulting in his banishment. He fled back to the land of his mother and lived with his grandfather, the king of Geshur, for three years. When David invited him back to Jerusalem, Absalom began a long campaign to overthrow David. Ultimately, this would end in Absalom's own death. The Geshurites of Absalom's ancestry are mentioned in the Bible as a people that the Israelites could not defeat in their conquest of the Promised Land. Their land was east of the Sea of Galilee in today's southern Golan. In 1987, archaeological investigation began in this region with a focused effort on Geshurite sites. Several were explored and excavated, including Tel Hadar, a four-acre site strategically placed on a main trade route. The city has been dubbed a royal Geshurite stronghold and was built on a hill with two defensive walls, a lower wall built at the foot of the hill and an upper wall halfway up the slope. Inside the upper wall, finely crafted items were found indicating wealth, and two large stones usually associated with royal buildings. A large public building was also excavated that would have functioned as a storehouse and possibly a bazaar. The pottery excavated showed evidence of extensive trading and interaction with cultures of the area, while maintaining some unique styles found only in ancient Geshur. The Geshurites were active in the land, yet culturally distinct. Though Tel Hadar was destroyed sometime in the 11th century BC, it would have been to a royal stronghold like this that Absalom traveled and lived with his grandfather Talmai. So we've seen how, you know, Absalom's family ancestry really did influence uh, the, the politics of his uh, return to Jerusalem and, and even his vengeance on his brother Amnon uh, for raping his sister because David, you know, David's failure to act in that circumstance with, with punitive measures against Amnon was a reflection on the treaty that he had with the kingdom of Geshur. And it was a very negative reflection. So we see when Absalom returns to Geshur, how he comes back not more willing to accept his father, but more determined than ever to overthrow the insulting kingdom of Israel. It's a very tragic story either way. Well, very interesting, though. A very interesting story. Thank you for that, Court. Mm -hmm. Very good. Janice? And it is a tragic story. And there's mm -hmm. so much depth in this chapter of 2 Samuel 13. And we see Tamar, who in this culture, after the rape of her half-brother, she's as good as dead in that culture. Getting married, having a family, that was gone. And she was basically lived a kind of a destitute life in the home of her brother Absalom, who did not want to scandalize this and make a big deal out of it right away because he was plotting to take revenge 
on his half-brother Amnon. So there's a lot of tragedy that goes on here, but I want to bring it in a little bit different direction because there are many of you who are watching that have gone through tragedy, that are in mourning, that feel like your plans and dreams and life moving ahead is pretty much dead for you. And I want to bring the good news to you today. I want to, to talk to you. I want, I want us to see here back in verse 18, and she's, it's talking about Tamar. Now she had on a robe of many colors for the king's virgin daughters wore such apparel. And now we're going to jump down to verse 19. Then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly. These were traditional the signs of mourning in those days, in those ancient times in the Middle East. And, and, and they were demonstrations in a physical way of what was going on in the heart. But I want to read from you, there's a beautiful scripture in Isaiah chapter 61, and it's the good news of salvation. And Jesus, when he began his ministry, when he went into Nazareth, he was handed the Isaiah scrolls, and he declared himself as being this this person in salvation. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Isaiah says in, in chapter 61, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me, listen now, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty in the captives, to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, listen, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, listen, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And as I said before, this is what Jesus declared that he was the fulfillment of that written in 61 of, of Isaiah. And if you want to read that for yourself, I would like you to go to Luke chapter 4 and it's verses 17 through 21. Jesus is the one who will bring, change your ashes of mourning into beauty. He will clothe you with garments of praise for those things that are lost. He is the life and the hope to those things that you think are dead. Thank you for joining us today. And I want to tell you that we will pray for you at 3.30 to 4.30 Eastern time. That's New York time in the United States of America, live on Facebook, YouTube, and on Bible Discovery TV, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Be there with us. But today, let's pray. And let's pray this way. Lord, help me to do the good in my life based on your presence. Because your presence is that which makes me good. In Jesus' name, amen.